0: Welcome to Promises Are Just Words. This is episode 14. A change is as good as a holiday. I felt that also as it is the Easter holidays and it would be a good idea to take a bit of a break from some work that you guys are doing and focus on comedy, focus on having a bit of a laugh. So for today's episode, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to give you some extracts of some comedians that for you to enjoy. Gabriella Glacius, Jerry Seinfeld, Carl Barron and Ronnie Chiang. In terms of the Say Hello To, uh, what I'm going to do first is before I introduce this week's guest, it will be to talk about, we're going to have three people on Say Hello To on next week's episode. So person one, the clue for that person for next week is a dramatic ex-Wadalba student. Person two, the song 500 Miles by The Proclaimers could have been written for them. And person three is a Red Bull World Champion. So today's Say Hello To. Today's Say Hello To is Devin Sebold. He is a teacher comedian who regularly uh, posts online very funny videos. Nearly every teacher in the world has been on Ellen except Devin. So if you can help him out in any way. If you are interested in watching his videos, go to devincomedy.com. That is D-E-V-I-N-C-O-M-E-D-Y.com. Devon is also the host of a spectacularly successful podcast called Crying in My Car, a podcast for teachers. So this week's Say Hello To is welcome to Devon Siebold.
1: This is Devin Siebold from Crying in My Car, a podcast for teachers. Uh, i got a few questions here I'm going to give a little answer to. And uh, thank you guys for listening to this. First off, number one, what is the most important thing that you have learned while being a teacher? Well, the first thing I will say I have learned is that uh, Australians use the word "learnt" with a T and Americans use the word learned with an E-D. And yes, I did have to Google that before... I answered this question, Uh, but I would also have to say the most important thing that I have learned is that um, students uh, definitely come from different backgrounds. Their home lives are so drastically different, and I think that I, I really gained a lot of experience when I started to Cater to who the students were as a person rather than the material. Because I I started to realize as I taught that there were students who um, would come in tired, and I would get mad at them at first, and then they would tell me, oh, I I was working until 1130 or midnight the night before, or I was taking care of my brother because my mom has to work the night shift, and he's only, you know, nine months old, and, and then starting to kind of understand where they were coming from and developing empathy uh, for the students before uh, pedagogy I think was probably the most... Uh, eye-opening thing that I could have uh, learned and learned and applied to my my classroom that really changed the game on how I connect to students and getting getting the best uh, work possible out of them. Uh, number two is one. What is one tip that you would give to a student if they want to succeed at school? And I would say the best advice that I could possibly give you is to break down everything into small pieces. If you have a six-page research paper that is due in two weeks, don't look at it as a six-page research paper. Look at it as a two paragraphs that are due by Tuesday. And then you've done your first two paragraphs by Tuesday. And then say, okay, I have two more paragraphs that are due on Thursday. So then you write two more paragraphs and you add those to it. And and as the two weeks have passed and you gave yourself these small little goals and you've breaking it down into small obtainable increments, suddenly you have a, a big portion of that particular project or that particular assignment, and you really have much, much less work to do uh, to finalize it, instead of just waiting or trying to sit down and go, oh, I have to find the time to do all six pages all at once. No, you don't. You can start slow, set basic small goals, and build up to the bigger goal. It doesn't have to be a big daunting task. It can be small, uh, easily obtainable tasks. Number three, what is the funniest thing that you have seen in a classroom, uh, and sorry, but we have to keep it clean. Yeah, I teach high schoolers, so there's a lot of stuff that I would say um, is not <laughs> uh, clean. But I, I actually had a, um, a student um, that <laughs> came into class one day, and uh, he said that he was in the restroom, and he was there for quite some time. And another student tried to rat him out and say, hey man, I saw you were, you were standing in the stall doing something you probably weren't supposed to. And he said, no, I don't stand in the stall. He said, when I'm sitting down and going to the restroom, he takes off his shoes and flips them around and then points his toes in the shoes so that it looks like somebody is standing facing the toilet because he felt embarrassed that he had to go number two so he wanted to give the illusion that he was going number one by taking off his shoes flipping them around and letting people think that there was somebody standing in the stall and i thought that was the most hysterical thing for some reason that I've ever heard Come out of a student's mouth uh, Guys, thanks again for Listening and uh, supporting And uh, check out the podcast Crying in my car, a podcast for teachers
2: I'm in Australia Sydney, Australia At the Opera House For me, it was one of the most iconic places I've ever got to perform in. It was bucket list, definitely after the show, I wanted to go hang out with some Aussies and see what that was like. I'm hanging out at a pub. First things first, Australian people do not drink Foster's beer. That's an American thing. They don't drink that over there. I tried ordering one to fit in, didn't go over well. <laughs> Bartender looked at me, hey, you like the taste of piss, do you? <laughs> okay, don't order that again. So I'm hanging out with these two Aussies and we're drinking a rum called Bundyburg. At first glance, it looks like a Coca-Cola bottle because there's a polar bear on the front. And then you drink it and you're like, that's not Coke. <laughs> As we're talking, a third Australian joined the conversation and he sounded a little bit different from the other two. He had more of a raspy voice, more like, all right, yeah, mommy, yeah, all right. He sounded like a drunk pirate underwater. These two guys didn't like him, so they called him a name and they left. And now it's just me and drunk pirate. We're talking about life, life in America, life in Australia, talking about our differences. He tells me that he's a professional knife maker. He's showing me how it's done, he's showing me pictures. We wind up polishing off three bottles of this rum. And drunk wasn't even the right word to describe our level. My tour manager, Ryan, he comes up to me and he says, Gabe, time to go. And I look at Ryan and I'm like, but Ryan, I just made a friend. He makes knives and they're pretty. My tour manager always knows how to talk to me no matter what condition I'm in. If I'm drunk, he knows better than to talk to me like I'm an adult. He talks to me like I'm two. He looks at me and he says, Hey, buddy. You hungry? Well, listen, if we don't leave right now, they're going to close McDonald's and you're going to have to eat at the airport. I got to go. i hey, my, you got to go, you got to go. No worries. And he goes to shake my hand. And when he shook my hand, he put his personal pocket knife that he made in my hand as a gift. As for you, Mike, thanks for being nice. Thank you, thank you. I'm gonna cut cheeseburgers with this.
3: Great to see you here. It's so nice to be back in the building. My goodness, I have not been on this stage in many, many years. I, uh, in fact, I am now a married family guy. When I was last here, I was a younger man. I was uh, 45. I got married at the age of 45. I am 53 now. 45 is late to get married. Clearly, I had some issues, <laughs> and I was enjoying those issues while I had them. But being, you know, 45, you know, that's 25 years of dating. Do you know how exhausting that is? Do you know how much acting fascinated that is? What is this? Your sister is thinking of leasing a Hyundai Elantra? What the hell are you talking about? But uh, I love being married. I love being married, because when you're married, you wake up ready. You roll out of bed ready with answers to challenging questions that women are working on through the night. (laughs) Deep philosophical hypothetical issues that no one has ever considered before. If you faked your own death and I found out about it, what would you say then? (laughs) It's like being on a game show when you're married and you're always in the lightning round. (laughs) It's not an easy game show. I feel like I should have a podium in my house that I could stand behind has my name in a little oval at the front, a little hand button clicker. I'll take movies I think we saw together for 200. (laughs) The wife, of course, is always the returning champion from last week. (laughs) Um, I'll take details of a 10-minute conversation we had at three o'clock in the morning eight years ago. (laughs) And I'd like to bet everything I have on that, Alex. I'm going for the win, right here. The husband, of course, never has a clue. I'm sorry, sir, you did not win the weekend sex package or the guilt-free televised sporting event. Thank you for playing. Are you even listening to me? And don't forget to take that big bag of garbage with you on your way out of the studio. by the way, is not a problem for me because I'm a good garbage taker-outer. Garbage removal is one of my husband's strengths. I hate garbage. I love to remove it. My wife is, of course, the opposite. She's a holder, a saver, a keeper. My wife saves everything. She has every styrofoam peanut, every scrap of paper is numbered, catalogued, and filed. And I just throw things out. I like to throw things out. Where's the wedding album? I thought you were done with it. And that was wrong. Those were some very nice memories, and they're gone now, but the point is this. It is my personal opinion that all things, all objects, everything you own really only exists as part of a parade of garbage to the dumpster. Everything you own is pre-garbage. Your home is a garbage processing center where new things are purchased and slowly demoted through various stages of trashification until you're done. Starts out, you're excited. You bring it home. You put it on the kitchen table. You read the instructions. You tell other people in the house all about it. And then some time goes by, and you realize maybe you're not going to be quite as keen on drying out fruit and storing it in your basement (laughs) as you thought you were going to be. And so the object is demoted to the closet. It's there for a while. Eventually, it lands on the floor. You start stepping on it to reach newer things (laughs) that are just beginning on their journey to jump. Then the garage. The garage can be one of the longest phases for the object, but it is the most definite. No object in human history has ever successfully made it from the garage back into the house. Even the word garage seems to be a form of the word garbage. When you're living in the same room as the garbage cans, well, it won't be much longer now. Really, eBay is the only thing that can save the object at this point. eBay, of course, another great step forward in human culture. Hey, why don't we mail our garbage back and forth to each other? (laughs) It's all got to go, my friends. Everything is thrown out in the end. Even we are thrown out in the end, my friends. And when I hear about someone that died and wanted certain important personal possessions put in with them when they're buried, I'm all for that. Take your crap (laughs) with you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Jerry Seinfeld, more with Jerry Seinfeld.
4: When I was a kid, I used to forget everything. (laughs) Used to annoy my father. It was like my job to put the bins out. I used to forget because I was thinking about something. You put the bins out? I said, huh? He said, did you put the bins out? (laughs) You get people to repeat themselves. The third time, they sound demented. (laughs) Time's your flight, huh? What time's your flight? What? What time is your flight? (laughs) I don't know why. Are we talking like robots? Dad asked you questions, there are no answers to his questions, he was just being sarcastic and you'd try and answer the questions that were no answers to. You put the bins out? He said, no. Nah. He said, why not? I said, I forgot. Yeah, forgot. <laughs> what do you mean you forgot? I said, it's like not remembering. <laughs> he said, how do you forget? I said, how? Oh, good question. <laughs> I said, I don't know. He said, you don't know. Why don't you know? Why don't I know why I don't know how I forgot? I don't know my brain's hurting, I know that much. <laughs> he could say three different things in one breath and he wouldn't finish one of them. Don't put the hemotype, come here.
5: in America, never leave your house. Land of the free and land of never leaving your house. No item, too trivial. No quantity, too small. To be hand delivered into your home, like an emperor, anything. Anything in the world that comes to mind, any fleeting thought you have while drunk, anything. I want one pen. (laughs) I want one, I don't want a box. I want just one pen. I want it in a box with some plastic, throw some napkins in there. In another box, in a bigger box. 50 million boxes flying across America at all times. The airspace above America is just Amazon Prime. Packaging just knocking into each other like satellite debris. Right? More, more prime. Can't get enough prime here. We need it prime. We need prime harder, faster, stronger. Faster prime. Prime now. Prime now. Two hour delivery. Prime now. Give it to me now. When I press buy, I put the item in my hand. Now, in America, there should be no lag, zero lag between when I press the button and when the item is gently placed into my hand so I can use it now. Oh, same day delivery. Oh, Oh. un-American. Same day. Now. Prime, now. Break into my house. And put the food I ordered in my mouth. And help me chew it. And then push it down my esophagus with a stick. And then pull the feces out of my anus for me. Now. It's like, where do we go from here? As a civilization, like how much more convenience can we get? How much less energy can we use to get what we want? Let's get Prime before. Send it to me before I want it. It's 2019, I have to make a decision before you mail me what I buy? Use artificial intelligence to substitute my own intelligence so I can live my life. Send me everything I want before I want it
2: in as many boxes as possible.